the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. If we had better weather today, it would be a great day for a sermon field trip. We would go out of the church and up 88th and over to Central Park, and we'd go down to 72nd Street. We'd enter the park, and we'd go down the stairs and across the terrace. And there overlooking the lake is the only statue called for in the original plan for Central Park. It was also the first commission to go to a woman for a public work of art in New York. There, of course, rising up in bronze at the edge of the lake is the object lesson for today's gospel, Bethesda Fountain. Bethesda Fountain, designed by Emma Stebbins in 1868, I think it was opened a few years later, It's crowned with a figure nicknamed the Angel of the Waters, which takes its name from today's gospel, or at least from today's gospel in more traditional versions. The New Revised English Bible that we read from in church um, uses a different variation of Bethesda. It calls it Bethesatha. They're the the same place. There are various versions of it. But our gospel today leaves out a line that uh, biblical scholars say is really more of an interpolation, so they don't leave it in the text. They use it in a footnote. But it's my favorite part of the text, as is so often the case in the scriptures. It's this part of the gospel that talks about how the waters in this fountain get their healing properties Because the idea was that an angel would come down from heaven and stir up the waters. And so that's what our character is speaking of in today's gospel. When he says, uh, whenever the angel comes down and stirs up the waters, he tries to get to the fountain, but someone gets in his way. Bethesda Fountain commemorates the opening of Croton Reservoir, which brought healing in many ways for New York City. No more plague with bad standing water. Just to reiterate that point, next time you look at the fountain, notice the four cherubs around the bottom of it. They stand for temperance, purity, health, and peace. All great healing properties. It's too bad the editors skipped that part of today's gospel, I think, because that's an important aspect for our understanding, this notion of healing in scriptures. The older versions put it in clearly. They said, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well from whatever disease that person had. The old Paul Simon song suggests we wait and look for someone who would be like a bridge over troubled water. But today's gospel asks that we sort of be that person and enter into the water ourselves. Healing, interestingly enough, doesn't come from calm, placid places. 
healing in today's gospel comes from troubled waters. This gospel can speak to a number of different people, I think. It certainly says something to those who may be waiting for healing. It speaks also to those who perhaps long for healing but can't, for whatever reason, see a way forward. And then also I think it speaks to those of us who perhaps are the picture of health today and might think a sermon on healing is not really for us. And yet it is for us as well. To those who wait, the scriptures are filled with stories of Jesus' healing. And if we just glance at the Gospels, we can, uh, we can begin to think that healing happens automatically. It happens quickly. It happens in a flash. But so often there are others who wait, who wait for years Prophets sometimes heal, and one woman is healed simply by coming in contact with Jesus. But for many, they wait years and years, years of prayerful waiting, years of doubtful waiting, years of waiting. The man in today's gospel has been waiting for 38 years. I probably would have given up at 28 or 18 In Mark's gospel, we read of a woman who has had a problem for 12 years, and yet she dares to ask Jesus to help her. She still has faith that something might help. These stories remind us that healing doesn't always come quickly. Healing doesn't always come with just the right prayer or just the right amount of faith or the right religious experience. Healing is mysterious stuff. Whether we believe that an angel swoops down from heaven and stirs the waters or a miracle drug is invented in our experience of waiting and then perceiving the miracle, they're not really all that different, are they? This story of the man at the pool in Bethesda also speaks of one who persists, who continues, who carries on each day, each year waiting for healing But this particular story also suggests that the route to healing, at least for this man, has been there all along. I'm reminded of that wonderful Old Testament story of Naaman. Naaman was a mighty military commander who had leprosy. And so he had sought out a cure in all the best places with all the leading specialists of his day. And then he heard someone talking about this crazy prophet who had healing powers. And so finally, out of luck, out of other choices, Naaman goes to see Elisha. Elisha, this prophet of wisdom and healing. And Elisha tells Naaman simply to go to a very simple local lake and cleanse himself. Naaman balks at that. That's too simple. That's too silly. That's like a folk cure. (laughs) That won't help at all. Then Elisha says to Naaman, well, had I asked you to do something hard, would you have done it? Here I am asking you to do something easy, and yet you refuse. Finally, Naaman goes forward. 
and he finds healing. That person Jesus meets at the pool of Bethesda, Bethesda is right there by the water. But notice that he has reasons why he hasn't been healed yet. He says, well, others get in front of me. There's no one to help me in. Who knows if there are other reasons? Perhaps those were valid reasons, but there is a part of this man's tone that sounds just ever so slightly whiny to me. (laughs) It sounds a little bit like those of us who, when the doctor tells us what to do, we make up excuses. Well, it doesn't fit in with my calendar. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be painful. Everybody I know who's had that done has had trouble. I know two sisters in a former congregation. Both had bad knees. (laughs) Both were told by their doctor to have a knee replacement. One did and has a new lease on life. She's traveled the world. The other has thought of every possible reason not to have the procedure. And so she stays put. Each has his or her own choice. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we can be a little like this man by the pool. We can see problems that aren't there when healing is right there in our midst. Sometimes there are those who have waited and waited for healing and are almost about to give up. And then sometimes there are those who need a little help reaching the source of healing. But in both cases, it may not so much be an angel from heaven who swoops down to stir the waters, but it might be someone else entirely. It might be you or me. I've mentioned before that in the Hebrew scriptures, there's a lot of ambiguity around the word angel. The same word can be used for angel or messenger. And so you're never quite sure, is this some holy, holy spiritual being from heaven? Or is it simply a messenger of God? One of us proclaimed to be God's agent in that time and place. We never know. It's a theological mystery, but I think it's a wonderful one because it reminds us that sometimes angels are ordinary people in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in our own day. As majestic and beautiful as that angel at Bethesda Fountain might be, it might be that that sculpture gets it slightly wrong. Because really, the angel that helps in healing is not always so majestic and supernatural. But often it's me or you who connects a person with the source of their healing. Sometimes we take their hand and lead them closer. Sometimes we might pick them up and carry them, like that wonderful story in the gospel of the friends who find a way to lower their friend through a roof so he can receive the healing of Jesus. Sometimes we might be called to give a friend or a loved one a little shove toward the pool of healing. Later today, after the service, after coffee hour, we'll have an organizational and informational meeting for a group that we're calling, at least at the beginning, Trinity Cares. 
We hope to enlarge what's already going on among one group and several groups of people who are already practicing being angels for one another, helping others to find healing, whatever that healing may look like. Sometimes someone just needs an occasional phone call. Sometimes a person needs a note or a card. Sometimes someone needs help getting to the doctor or or getting groceries. There are all sorts of things, and this is not an attempt to somehow get out of the priests doing pastoral care, but instead it's, it's an effort to help us all take better care of ourselves, to take better care of one another. If you think about it in your own lives and the lives of those we know and love, so often the person who needs healing doesn't need a professional healer, a priest or a doctor, nearly as much as they need someone who has already been through that experience. The person who's facing a heart procedure will often be helped mightily by someone who's already had that procedure. The person undergoing chemotherapy will benefit from talking to another person who's been there and done it and come through and now knows new health. And certainly the 12-step recovery movement shows the wisdom and effectiveness of recovering people, helping others to recover. Perhaps no one else can offer that sort of healing. So often, healing happens when we have someone simply to walk alongside, not so much offering advice, not so much even talking, but just being present, just being with us. The great priest and writer Henry Nouwen describes this sort of person as a wounded healer, He writes, to enter into solidarity with a suffering person does not necessarily mean that we have to talk with that person about our own suffering. Speaking about our own pain is seldom helpful for someone who is in pain in that moment. Rather, a wounded healer is someone who can listen to a person in pain without having to speak about his or her own wounds. We have to trust that our own bandaged wounds will allow us to listen to others with our whole beings. To listen to others with our whole beings, that is healing. I love that image of Henry Nouwen. I'm not sure many of us ever attain it. I don't think he would say he ever attained it, but it was the goal. It's so often what we read Jesus does as he is simply present in a new way for someone, someone who's been ignored, someone who's been overlooked, someone like the person in today's gospel who's been bypassed for 38 years. Who knows when or where or how we might be called upon to be an angel of healing, an agent of God's healing, But I pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to stir up the waters around us, to stir up the waters near us, and show us how to help in stirring up a spirit of healing and health. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.